0: we are continuing our series, Proximity, and uh, as I said, this one has been on me for a while and uh, in me and uh, all of last year, and uh, I do want to say last week in part one, we had that curling video, and if you enjoyed that, we have uh, an outtakes video that we're not going to show at church, but we do have it available at uh, the River Valley uh, YouTube page and also at the Vimeo page, so a lot of you can uh, look at that. Don't do it right now during church. Some of you have your smartphones, you're like, oh, let's do it. No, don't do that. Do it later, all right? But let me get you caught up in case you have no idea what the curling video is about, but you can see it from last week's sermon and the outtakes. But uh, here's the thing. In this Proximity Series, I I fully believe this and we have uh, developed this, that there is a blessing on God's people. There is a blessing on God's people and those in proximity to his people get a blessing. It's very clear. And as we looked into the Bible, we saw with this in mind, we saw this in Abraham's life. We saw in Genesis chapter 12 last week that the Bible says, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, we believe that, that God has a blessing on his people, and that blessing was for Abraham. But we also believe that that blessing is on us today. The Apostle Paul very clearly says in Galatians chapter 3, and I'll read it. I didn't read it last week, but I'll read it today. Galatians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9, because it was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, he says, "'Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you, so those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith.'" So all of us now that uh, rely in faith on Jesus Christ, he fulfilled everything that God needed him to do, and all the promises of Abraham were fulfilled in Jesus Christ, now those of us that believe on him in faith are living in a same, similar blessing. It's the same thing. As God blesses us, it oozes out of us onto other people, and we said that that we are blessed with so many blessings— that it oozes out of us. I use secondhand smoke as an illustration. And I said that a smoker smokes and inhales that smoke and then only keeps 15% and exhales 85%. And I said, what if the spiritual blessings of God, we only keep 15 and ooze out 85 onto the people around us? So he said, there are those blessings in us, on us, and flowing out of us so that others can be blessed. But it's not just so that they get blessed. It's so they know the blesser. That's the key. We've got to know the blesser. And I love that we ended the message last week, and you know, I'm trying to get through the Bible as I'm reading through, and I made it through Genesis, just snuck into Exodus there, and uh, was able to talk about the blessing of getting into the blessing of God and use the symbolism of Exodus. And if you didn't watch the message, you need to go back and see it. But the real blessing is getting in Christ. Every blessing that we have that oozes out to other people that someone else had that brought you into faith in Christ was so you would know the blesser. All the blessings of proximity, all the blessings of being around someone that has the blessings of God, all of that is for you to ultimately know the blesser, and here and at all of our campuses, we gave the opportunity for people to give their life to Jesus Christ, and I want to let you know that last weekend, 104 people raised their hand to get in on that. Can we give God praise for that here, all the campuses? It's so good. Because if we're going to go after the blessings of God, we need to get the blesser. We need to get God, which is all so true with Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And we're not worried about all these other things. We don't have to worry about all the blessings. We seek the blesser, and then there's blessings on us that are in us, on us, for us, and then the rest oozes out to the other people around us. So Remember, I'm I'm reading this all last year. I'm reading the Bible and trying to get this into my mind and, and I'm living in this and looking at the scriptures of proximity. But how many know it's hard to turn that off even this week when I was doing my devotions? I'm doing my devotions, and I hope you are too, and I hope you're doing soap devotion, scripture, observation, application, prayer. It's something we want everybody in the church to be doing. And as I'm doing this, I've got this in mind of this proximity blessing, and I'm reading Psalm seventy-three. And it's interesting because David wrote a lot of the Psalms, and in Psalm 73, he notices something. He notices this, that there are people that are living in blessing, and it looks like they have blessing just like him. Matter of fact, he's looking at people's lives, and he's kind of assessing, they don't even know you, God. Matter of fact, they're enemies of yours. And it looks like, it appears to me, like they have more blessings than I have right now. And I'm not a fan of that. Now, just confession. How many have ever thought like that heathen next to me has way more blessings than me? Just raise your hand here and all the, camp. come on, it's good confession. Sometimes you think that, like this is just not fair. I mean, I'm looking at it like this guy's way more blessed than me and, and I, I should have blessings from God. And so David's feeling that. He's thinking like, I, I realize that, you know, you're a blessing God and that I, I have this. And, I'm, and he's starting to get discouraged. He's saying, I'm obeying all the rules, I'm doing all the things, and uh, they have all these blessings, and I will say this. I believe this, that when you align yourself with the moral law of God, there are certain blessings that will come on you. I just believe that. I believe that as you start to do the right things that God wants his followers to do, just because you start doing the things, there's like natural laws, there's spiritual laws, and there's things of sowing and reaping. and and certain things will happen to you. I mean, if you are not a a slave to interest, but instead you live debt-free, you're gonna live in a a blessing there. There are certain things that happen. And so just because other people are being blessed in other ways, even though they're not following God, don't get discouraged. Because David's getting discouraged here, and all of a sudden he realizes this. He's so discouraged about all these people having other blessings, they're not obeying God, and he's like, but wait a minute, what's going on here? And it's like an aha moment for him. There's an aha moment. He realizes, you guys have blessings, but I have something more. And in Psalm 73, verse 25 through 28, this just jumped out at me in my devotion time. He said, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. He's saying, I get it. I get it. I've got the blesser. And no matter what happens, no matter what happens around me with other people, they may be living good things and doing other things. I've got the blesser. And in that, I have all I need. And we need to realize that you have the blesser. When you see these blessings, do not minimize grabbing hold of the blesser, Jesus Christ, and saying, you are everything I need. And David had that aha moment. And even in Psalm 73, he's like, it's a good thing I didn't like talk to other people about this because I would feel really stupid because you are everything. And I was envious of those other people and their blessings, but you are the ultimate blessing. Jesus Christ is the ultimate blessing. All right, now, we made it through into Exodus. We didn't make it through Exodus. We're going to start up there again, all right? So we're in Exodus, and then we're going to get through a couple of uh, chapters of the Bible, and we'll hopefully get a little bit today. All right, we're going to get a little bit. Now, in Exodus, here's the interesting thing. God says, I will be in proximity to you. I'll be in proximity to you. I will be your God. You'll be my people. And uh, he says, I-, I want to show the people that I'm near them. I want to show them that I'm near them. Now he had a cloud uh, that would be there by day and a pillar of fire by night. And you think about it, it was air conditioning and heating in the desert. You know, he's like, I'll be a cloud, I'll be a pillar of fire. It's true. And so he's like, I'll take care of you. But they're like, I need a tangible representation. And so God's like, I'm going to give you something tangible that shows you're in proximity to me and that I'm near you. And so he gives the instructions to Moses to build the Ark of the Covenant. And we've talked about it before, but I know our church is not experts on the Ark of the Covenant. So give me just a minute here today. If you saw Indiana Jones, uh, it was similar to that, okay, similar. And again, not just like little beams going out of it, but something spiritual was happening, similar to how it looks. If you've watched the Bible series on TV by Mark Burnett, again, Ark of the Covenant. Covenant is depicted with a cherubim on it, which are heavenly creatures on the top of it. And so you get this picture it's a gold chest that has certain dimensions, it has rings in it so that these poles can be placed through it. Gold poles. Can be placed through it and then the priest can carry it. And it was symbolic, it was representative that this was God's presence. He was near. And when they would see that, they would say, God is with us. God is with we are in proximity to God because there it is, there's the ark. God's near us, we're near God, and and it was a great thing. And whenever they would go into battle, they would go and carry this, the presence of God with the Ark of the Covenant, and they'd go into battle, the priests would be carrying it, and all of a sudden, they would win the battle because God was with them, he has blessings on them, he's taking care of them, so much so that whenever the enemies of God would see the Ark of the Covenant, their hearts would sink. They'd be like, oh, they're bringing the gold thing. Like, it's over, guys. It's over. Let's just submit, because it's over. Okay, so this is what's going on, generation after generation after generation, and the enemy would see it lose heart, and and the children of Israel, the Israelites, they would win. Well, one day, uh, the Israelites decide to go into battle against the Philistines, and they don't consult God they're just thinking, we got the presents, we're good to go, we got the blessings, let's go attack some Philistines, let's go do this. The Bible says that the hearts of the Philistines sink in that moment. But what had happened is the Israelites had started to say, well, we've got the blessings, we've got the blessings, we've got the blessings, come here, God, serve me, because we got the blessings. Does it sound familiar to any theology today? Like, it's all about the blessings are for me, bless me, take care of me, I want it for me. And so this is what's going on. They don't consult God. It's not God's plan in this moment. He doesn't want to go into battle that day, and he's, he's upset. Actually, there's corruption going on too. And the blessings of God, to just show you how much corruption is going on, the blessings of God, the priests of God are starting to be corrupt, and they're taking things that belong to God, and they're starting to take God's blessings. Now, how many know that he's upset with that? And so they go into battle, and in this day that they go into battle in 1 Samuel 4, now for generations it's been working, in 1 Samuel 4 they go into battle, and the ark is captured. The ark is captured. The presence, the proximity is captured, and the Israelites are terrified at this. It's so bad that a woman in the Bible was giving birth that day, and she named her son Ichabod, which means the glory has departed. Think about that. you grow up your whole life. What's your name? Ichabod? <laughs> Glory has departed. you know. That was the day I was born, the day that they captured the ark. I'm the guy, you know? Uh, not a good name, okay? But it's so bad because they realize we are no longer in proximity. Something has broken in our relationship with God. Something's out of whack here. He's our God, but we are not as close to him as we used to be. And we're manipulating the blessing and the power and the proximity of God for our own things, and we're being corrupt, and now we're in trouble. The presence of God, the the symbolism, the ark, it's gone. It's now in the hands of the Philistines. Devastation. Devastation. And I just think we cannot manipulate the presence of God. We cannot manipulate the proximity. We cannot manipulate the blessings. Grab hold of that. So here they are, the ark has been captured and the Philistines are so happy. And in 1 Samuel chapter five, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. I'm gonna uh, just camp out there for a little bit today. In 1 Samuel chapter five, the Philistines have captured the ark. And it says this, after the Philistines had captured the ark of God, they took it from Ebenezer to Ashdod and then they carried the ark into Dagon's temple and set it beside Dagon. Now I'll stop there for just a moment. It was very common that when people would capture another country, that they would go ahead and they would take the relics and they would bring it to their temple. And they would basically worship their God and say, we captured this from the other uh, country and we took this from them and their God now is subject to you. Okay. And so they bring it into uh, Dagon's temple. And the interesting thing is they, they took what was the symbolism of God's presence, his proximity, and they didn't really capture God, but they captured the symbol of it. The symbol of him. And so they got it there. But how about, you know, that if you capture God and you're not right with God, trouble is about to happen, right? I mean, you could just see it coming right there. It's like watching a scary movie and you're realizing this is going to happen. And if you're thinking that way, you're right. All right. So in verse three, it says, when the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and put him back in his place. So you're kind of like, who knocked down our God? What's going on here? Our idol fell down, and, and I don't know if they're looking around. Was it your fault? Who did it? I don't know who did it, but something's going on. What's going on is proximity. God is not happy with this, and there's some power going on, and God is saying, you know what? You, you've got my proximity here. You've got uh, this belongs to me. It belongs to my people, and I'm not happy about this. So it says, but the following morning when they rose, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. His head and his hands had been broken off and they were lying on the threshold. Only his body remained. Okay, so you've got this now. You've got Dagon was tipped over the first day and they don't know why. Second day, he's tipped over, over by the ark, face is busted off, arms are busted off. And how many know at that moment, they are thinking, what did we capture? What did we capture? What, what's going on here? And in this moment, I mean, they've got to be thinking, I don't think our God's that powerful. I don't think our God is that powerful. And just so you know, Dagon was known as the, the God that had power over corn and fertility. Why those two? I don't know. He was a Midwest God. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> corn and fertility. I mean, corn-fed Midwest. I don't know. But he was. That's what he was God over uh, in their false God view. And all of a sudden, his head's broken off, his arms are broken off, but it it doesn't end there. I mean, there's something going on. I mean, because the presence of God in proximity to darkness, how many know that I believe and we believe that darkness can feel the presence of God? I just believe that. Matter of fact, I'm going to work with a missionary that asked this one question. He said, I wonder if people that are evil can feel the presence of God oozing out of us. I wonder if when they come face-to-face with the presence of God that is in us, because remember, the Spirit of Christ dwells in us, I wonder if when they come face-to-face with us, they feel it. And I'm a firm believer that they do. I'm a firm believer that anyone that is in evil can feel this. matter of fact, when I went on a global team to India, we went over there a couple years ago, we were, we were almost missing our flight. They pulled us out of line, and they said, like, everybody in the flight, you've got to, you know, that you're on this flight, the eight of you from your team or ten of you or whatever. They said, you're, you're missing your flight. Get going. And they rushed us to the front of the line. And when we get there, the guy, I, I hand him my passport, and I hand him my passport, and he just stops, and he looks at me, and he goes, you're a holy man. And I was like, sort of? You know, like, I mean, like, Yes. Late for a flight, too, uh, just so you know. (laughs) And he just looks at me. he just shakes his head. He goes, wow, you're a holy man. Like, he could feel it. He could feel it. No, you say, well, did customs, like, I'm sure they're like, yeah, there's a guy who is uh, doing a crusade, and he's a pastor. Freak him out by saying he's holy. I don't think they did that, okay? (laughs) I think India is very aware of the spirit world, and they felt it. This guy feels it. And, he, and if I'd have had more time, honestly, I mean, they were like, we got to go, we got to go. And the guy's like stamping it and he's just staring at me. If we'd have had more time, I said, what are you getting at? Which side of holy are you on? You know what I mean? I'm wondering which, I mean, are you feeling this like you're holy, I'm holy, we're good or I'm holy, you're unholy and you want me on that plane? I don't know. But I'm just telling you, I think people can feel and in the proximity of God that is on you and in you, you got to be aware of what's going on. There's a spiritual warfare going on. Now, here's the thing. If people in darkness want to change, your proximity to them brings them hope. Because you bring the kingdom of God everywhere you go. And if they're in darkness and you show up and they want out, it's hope. If you show up and they don't want out, they're they're wanting you gone. Okay, think about this. Let's jump out of this story for just a second. Jesus goes across the lake and runs into the demoniac that is known as having legion in him. He casts the demons out of him. For him, darkness coming into conflict with light meant freedom and hope. But for everybody else, they wanted to live in darkness. So what do they say? Jesus, just get out of here. Get out of here. We've come into contact with proximity with the things of God, and we prefer darkness, so we would like you to leave. Think about that. When you bring the presence of God wherever you go, some will respond in hope, and others will respond in please leave. So the Philistines, I really believe in this moment, they could have realized that something's going on. We're in proximity to the things of God. We've captured this symbolism of God and something's going on in our society and we need to change. And they could have changed. They could have repented and said, there's no God like your God, but they didn't. Instead, they take the the appeal of like, we just want this to leave. And in order to get them to see that God is more powerful, the Bible tells us in this chapter, verse 6, The Lord's hand was very heavy on the people of Ashdod and its vicinity, and he brought devastation on them and afflicted them with tumors. When the people of Ashdod saw what was happening, they said, the ark of the God of Israel must not stay here with us because his hand is heavy on us and on Dagon, our God. So they called together all the rulers of the Philistines and asked them, what shall we do with the ark of God of Israel? They answered, have the ark of God of Israel moved to Gath. So they moved the ark of God of Israel But after they moved it, the Lord's hand was against that city, throwing it into great panic. He afflicted the people of that city, both young and old, with an outbreak of tumors. So they sent the ark of God to Ekron. And as the ark of God was entering, Ekron, the people of Ekron, cried out, They have brought the ark of God of Israel around us to kill us and our people. So they called together all the rulers and the Philistines and said, Send the ark of God of Israel away. Let it go back to its own place or it will kill us and our people. For, death had, filled the, for the, death had filled the city with panic. God's hand was very heavy on it. Those who did not die were afflicted with tumors, and an outcry of the city went up to heaven. So this is what's going on. I mean, these people are just like, get this out of here. Remember, conflict, presence of God wherever you go. Realize this. There will be a spiritual battle. There will be a spiritual battle. Now, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Light always dispels darkness. Darkness never conquers light. Don't ever forget that. But some will grab hold of hope when you are near them in proximity. Others will say, get it out of here. Get it out. And so they have a test there. We don't have time to read it, but in 1 Samuel, or 2 Samuel uh, 6, is there, or I'm sorry, First Samuel 6, they're having this test. They say, if this is really God... If this is really God, um, let's do this. Maybe it's coincidence that we're all getting sick. Maybe we're just fearful, and it has nothing to do with God. So let's do this. Let's put it on a wagon, and let's get two cows that have little young ones, little calves, and then let's point those cows in the direction that we want to send the ark, and if they'll walk away from their baby calves, we know that it's a God thing. Because those cows will always want to turn around and come back. And if they do, then we know it's a coincidence. But if they walk away from us, then we know it's a God thing. Let's get this thing out of here. Logical test, right? And so they do that, and those cows just make a beeline away. And you could hear their baby calves. You can just hear it in your ears right now. They are just just mooing away, and they are just like determined, we are going to bring back the ark of God to God's people. Wow, it's a God thing. You can imagine the Philistines like, Good riddance, adios, bye-bye, whatever they said. It was out of here, good, go. And it's sad because they could have said, we realize the power of God is so strong, we convert, but they didn't. So this is going on and the ark comes back, it goes to a town and that town is blessed. That town is blessed, think about it. It stops in that town, that town starts getting blessed and so David's thinking, man, if it's blessed, I want the blessing, I want this back in, in, in my town. I want the blessing of God near me. And so they go and decide to move it. And I don't have time to go in it. It's a whole nother sermon. But this guy notices that they're moving the Ark of the Covenant and it's going to fall off the wagon. So he goes to steady it with his hand. God strikes him dead. Now, the best that I can tell in this, the best that I can see is this, is that the power of God cannot be tamed, manipulated, or pushed around. God's like, I told you how to handle my presence. You guys lost this because you were messing around with the presence. And if you're going to get this back and you're going to be in right relationship with me, you need to do what I've told you to do. And you can't manipulate me, push me around, box me in. You got to do it my way, and that's the way. So that's probably a whole other sermon, okay? Now, as we read this... It says, David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. So catch this. Again, proximity to the things of God. Obed-Edom is like, you can park that here. And as they park it there, the blessings of God just start oozing out on his life. Again, just don't, as you see this, realize the blessing of God in your life, the more you are close to God, the more you're plugged into him, the more you're just saying, God, speak to me. Just how do you want to pour out your blessings on me, my household, my neighbors? I believe that it's there, it's real. And and we don't have the ark today, but we have the presence of God today, and we need to realize that wherever we go, that God is in us, and the blessings of God are in us, on us, oozing out of us. And so David's no dummy. He's, He's like, Obed is like being blessed, and he's like... I got to get this blessing for myself. I want this blessing. And so it says in verse 12, now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with, with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Now it wasn't required, but David was like, they just took a few steps and we're just letting you know, God, this is all about you. We want you, we want you, we want you. This whole country that I'm leading, I want you, they want you, we worship you, we want to do it right, and we just want to let you know right away, this is about worship, this is about you, and we want the blesser. We want the blesser. And he says... Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. Man, they were getting it, and they were so excited. They were saying, God, it's all about you, and we are going to pursue you with our whole heart. We're going to dance. We're going to praise. We're going to worship. We're going to go all in for you. We love you with all of our heart. God, we want you the blesser, and we want every blessing you have to give us man, this is the way we need to live. I I just, in, in releasing this and telling the church that there is a blessing on you, there's a proximity blessing that oozes out, be focused on the blesser. It is all about the blesser. We are focused on God. We love him. And these blessings are honest in us, and ooze out through us so that more people can know God. That's the way it works. And David got that. Man, he is just worshiping. He is going for it. He realizes this is not about war. This, this presence of God is not about doing battle. This presence of, of God is about being close to the one that loves us so much. This blessing of God is about worshiping him. And he does that. And he's so blessed. And he's so generous. And I love this that after the ark settles in Jerusalem, David's so excited. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 17 through 19, it says, They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women, and all the people went to their homes." David's like, I am so glad that God's blessing is back, that his favor is back, that he's here, and that he understands we love him and we understand it's all about being in relationship with the blesser. I'm so happy right now, everybody gets a blessing that knows me. Man, how cool is that? That's just one place you wanna be. I mean, when people are giving away things, you're like, right place, right time. And he's like, I'm so blessed. I have so much. I love God so much. I realize I'm blessed to be a blessing. Guess what? Here's a cake for you and a cake for you and a cake for you and everybody gets a cake. All right, how cool is that? We should be generous people. We should be generous people. When we realize that God has blessed us with so much, we should be generous. God, I bless you with the tithe. I bless you with the offering. I bless you with kingdom builders. God, I want to be generous on every occasion. I realize I've been blessed to be a blessing. And as you give me more, I just want to keep giving more and being a blessing. That's what David's grabbing right here. All right, one more thing. Because this is just so cool. We're gonna jump into Psalm Psalm 139. If you have your Bible, you can turn to me there and we'll close with this. Psalm 139, David, again, David just has amazing insight into the things of God. Remember, in an earlier sermon that we talked about uh, months ago, uh, Too Many Shades of Grace sermon, we talked about David understood grace and mercy covering his adultery. He understood a concept of God that hadn't even been revealed yet, okay? But again, David, he's just in love with God and he's understanding this and all of a sudden he realizes this is he's thinking about the blessing of God the ark being in Jerusalem he's thinking about all the blessings he gets this revelation that God you are personal with us there's a blessing on us in us oozing out of us to everybody matter of fact you're a God that's everywhere. You bless and you take care of us. And in Psalm 139, read this with me. He says, You have searched me, Lord, and know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You have me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. And he says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I go from your proximity? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. I will say, surely the darkness will hide me and and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. David is grabbing proximity. He's realizing, God, you were there for me all along. You are there. You, everywhere I go, you're with me. And I hope we can grab this everywhere we go. When you go in the presence of God, God's presence is there. You go anywhere. His, his proximity is there. You bring him to places of darkness. Some will say we welcome hope. Some will say get out of here and leave. But no matter where you go, the presence of God is with you. And that blessing is on you, in you, through you, oozing out. And our job now, our job now is to pursue the blesser, to go after him with all that we have, And if we can grab one thing, let us just grab this. Let's pursue the blessings of God. Let's pursue God and all the blessings that he has. Let's get all we can. Let's be hungry like David was. Let's be hungry like that. God, we, we want you. We want more of you. We want all the blessings that you have so we can be a blessing to this world. God, wake us up. If our eyes have not been looking at you, wake us up. It may not be that we're corrupt, but maybe we're sleepy. Maybe we're a sleepy church, not realizing that the blessings of God is, is it's on us everywhere we go, and we've been just living in the blessing for ourselves instead of saying it should ooze out of us to everyone else around us. And I'm just praying that we'll do the things that wake us up and cause us to say, "God, I want you. I want you. I want the blesser and all the blessings." May that just ooze out of me. Maybe I I should be in proximity to you so that those in proximity to me can see that overflow of blessing. And be in proximity to you So Lord we just pray for that We pray right now that we would pursue you With all of our heart We will pursue you Lord I I don't think it's a corrupt church But I think sometimes we can be a sleepy church We can be a sleepy church And we don't realize that the presence of God is in us And we don't realize that a world so desperately in need of a touch from you, there are many people of hope. Matter of fact, we get afraid of the people that would say, get out of here. And we forget about the people that say, please come here. And I pray that we'd not be ruled by that. We would not be ruled by the fear of the people that would say, get out. But we'd instead be ruled by the people that would say, please bring us hope. Please bring us the blesser. Please ooze out the blessings on us so we could know what this is all about. So God, help us to pursue you, help us to grab hold of you, and help us to see that when we're in proximity to you, the blessings of God are on us, and then they ooze out of us so others can know you as the blesser. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.